I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. We talked with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles on Tuesday ahead of Ohio State's 7.30 kickoff game on Saturday against Michigan State where they'll be debuting some new jerseys. But first, Nathan, before we get into anything else, it's the Wednesday pod, so we have to spend the next 35 minutes talking about (laughs) the long list of Ohio State injuries. Any updates to Lathan Ransom, Denzel Burke, Tommy Eichenberg, Devin Brown? Am I missing anybody? Uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just run down the list real quick, and we can we can check them off. So Ryan Day said that he expects Denzel Burke and Tommy Eckenberg to practice both on Tuesday. People aren't listening to this until Wednesday, I realize. And we won't know until we get out there Wednesday night and get a look ourselves to see if we think those guys were out there uh, practicing. And maybe he'll have another update in, the, in his lightning round on Wednesday after practice as well. The tone I got on both of those guys, and especially once Jim Knowles came in as it related to Eichenberg, was that they're hoping to get him back at practice this week, and then they'll see what happens. Knowles definitely what his or his quote was like: if he, if, you know, if they if, if they try to play him, he'll play. So the trainers have to step up and say whether or not he can play or not. Because if if you know what I mean, like if if there's any doubt, he's going to play. So it definitely seemed like the door was open to an absence there potentially for him and that he does not seem like a guy who would take uh, lightly to that. Not that any of these guys want to miss time, but we all have seen Tommy. I can play through stuff in the past. So we'll just see what that is. There's still not a, a lot of specificity for that. The Lathan ransom thing continues to drag. And at, to this point, Ryan day has not talked with any specificity about a real timetable for that. And, I'm not sure exactly how to interpret interpret that because you know we've definitely gotten the vibe that they expect him back this year that this may be a thing though that takes him all the way up to Michigan might be the first game he comes back is kind of what it's starting to sound like to me because the answer he gave today did not make it sound like and as I'm getting ready to post our um, depth chart that we do each week. I'm just taking him off for this week. It just does not sound like he's going to play this week. It does not sound like he'll be available this week is definitely the vibe we're getting right now. And that typically means that then there has to be a 
return to practice threshold that he has to meet and then getting in enough work there. So I'm almost no pessimist, no optimism that he would play at against Michigan State. And it's starting to seem iffy for Minnesota. But in the long run, if that gets him back for Michigan, it still makes Ohio State better for that week. Uh, Josh Proctor, he said, as we kind of suspected after the game, sounds like he is probably going to be fine. You never know when you're dealing with concussion protocol things if something pops up. Um, you know, may, maybe it would be a thing, but there's certainly reason for optimism that he would be back out there on Saturday. Devin Brown, as I reported after the game, told me that he would have been available in that game if necessary, and Ryan Day confirmed that today. Um, now, Devin Brown certainly also talked like someone who was not 100% by any stretch, and it would have been more of an emergency situation. And even if someone had to go in and just... Um, you know, kneel out the win. That wasn't going to be Devin Brown. That was probably going to be Tristan Jebbia. So we'll see if that relationship changes at all on Saturday. I imagine if it's a game where they actually can pull away from one of these teams and leave them in the dust a little bit, that they would love to get their backup quarterback some real reps. But whether he, that whether they want to expose him to that at this point, I think remains to be seen. He he told me he didn't practice much last week also after the game on Saturday. So we'll see how much he's able to practice this week. The one guy that we didn't get a question in from an injury standpoint was Cade Stover. But I also, that was a lower priority for me in terms of asking for an answer at this stage, simply because it was just a couple days ago, Ryan Day said that he could have played, they just chose not to play him. So if that was the case, then I makes me think, having not played, he's not less capable of playing on Saturday. So another guy that we just want to get eyes on after practice on Wednesday. I think that's it. Okay. I think yeah, that's the main think, list. Well, we'll, we'll see wood. who we see or don't yeah, see on Wednesday. Wood. Yeah, we'll see how that works. Andrew, we, we didn't actually specifically ask about Cage Stover and whether he'd be available for Pernod this week, but the idea of what happened with Cage Stover was asked and the idea of like guys who weren't on the availability report, they're available to play. They go through warmups, they do all these things, and then they don't play. And Ryan Day actually got asked that idea of how much of last year is impacting those types of decisions. I know you weren't here last year, but that was a Jackson Smith the Jig, but Travion Henderson were guys where maybe this year, the way some of this stuff has been handled, and this is all speculation, of course, but. The way some things went last year with a lot of different guys injury wise, where guys were playing where maybe they shouldn't have been out there and guys who weren't guys who weren't on the availability report but then didn't play, it seems like if a guy is in any way iffy, he sits out. When is that the vibe you were getting from Ryan Day, or did he did he just like dismiss that idea that what happened last year with guys like Jackson and Travion and on down the list had anything to do with maybe how they're in handling some of these questionable guys this year for well, lack of I a think, better way of putting it you know i think the answer to your question for both is yes that's the vibe i'm getting um it should be noted that ryan day did say no to that uh, question you know he was asked like hey is this basically a philosophical change from last year right like is this something that you changed meant you know meant like is this a program shift from what we saw in 2022 uh, and Ryan said, no, you know, that Ryan was was against that idea. He said that that's not necessarily true. And I, I want to include that because I do think it's important because <laughs> I asked you guys in the press box um, to peel back the curtain for our listeners. 
Uh, I asked you guys in the press box, like early in the game, how come they do this? Like, like how come that they, how come that they have Cade Stover as available and he walks out to be the captain? Like, do they do this a lot? And I mean, this is something that I have kind of noticed just, you know, by picking up the beat. It's very funny and it makes me feel, um, I guess it confirms my thoughts or my priors. Whenever I ask you something and you guys like both look at me like, dude, we've been dealing with this for four years or we've seen this happen for four years. And I'm like, I noticed this. Is this a thing? And you're like, absolutely. So I, I like short yardage play calling early in the year. I was like, why do they do this? And you're like, Andrew, we have been asking this question since 2019. Yes, we have no idea. Um, but anyway, to go back to the injury stuff, I think it makes sense. And and one of the things that I, I want to ask Ryan here over the next week or two is they are in a stretch of eight regular season games to end the year, nine if you include a Big Ten championship game. So we can talk all about Tommy Eichenberg, as we should, and Cade Stover, and Denzel Burke, and Josh Proctor, and all of these guys that are either outright injured and working to come back or working through some things and trying to get like, we can talk all about those guys. I am also curious. Ryan will never say this. He will never admit this. He will never openly say, yeah, we can rest some. He didn't say it against Youngstown state. He's not going to say it against this team against Michigan state against Minnesota. But I am curious like when and how decisions get made to, to get the rotation a little bit longer. You know what I'm saying? Like to add more guys into a rotation because you're at a stretch of the year where you're seeing guys play through some injuries. You're seeing guys leave the lineup outright because of some injuries. So I'm curious, like we can ask about the injured guys. I'm curious about the healthy guys, right? Like for all we know right now, Jack Sawyer's healthy for, for, I mean, we all can assume that Jack Sawyer is kind of battling through some stuff like everybody is at this point of the year, but there's no, uh, he might not play this week. There's no anything like that. But do you rotate him more because you're at this stretch of the year? Like I, I'm, I'm curious with him, and and maybe that's a bad example. I don't know. But I, I use him as just a guy who's in the lineup, who's healthy, who you can rotate and feel okay about. With you know, especially with some of your depth. Like I'm just curious how they handle this. So you know. I think it's a thing with the injured guys where they will hold them out. You know, I guess the term, if, if you're, you know, a hockey fan or a baseball fan or whatever, you, you, you hear the term overcooking your prospects until they come up and ready. Ohio state's kind of do the same thing. They're making sure 100% that their prospects are healthy, that these guys are healthy when they're getting back into the lineup. So I, I, it's something that I've noticed. Ryan can say, no, I, you guys would know better than I, if how, how that relates to last year. But I'm I'm curious how this is going to manifest itself over these next two weeks when you got guys coming back and you've got healthy guys that you want to make sure stay healthy for the Michigan game. I don't like overcooked food, so I don't like that analogy. Overcooked food is bad, but overcooked prospects terrible. are sometimes good. I, I guess I don't I don't like anything <laughs> overcooked. Nathan, did you should it though? Should what happened last year be? Not inspiration, but should that be in the back of their heads when dealing with some of these injuries? But also, he did kind of admit that the opponent does matter with some of these guys, whether or not they play them. He didn't outright say, oh, we're playing a trash team, so we're not going to play our best players. But it was asked in the question of level of the opponent, you know, severity of the injury, all these other things. And he did say that was included in that. And he did agree that all of the above is taken in consideration with some of this stuff. 
Yeah, and it's I don't really feel like last year's I've I've had the thought myself too, but the the Jags has been the Jigba situation does is not reminiscent to me of Emeka Ibuka or what just happened with Cade Stover. Um where because because by and large, Smith and Jigba kept showing up on the availability report unless he mm-hmm. actually was injured and wasn't going to play. But at other times, there were times when he didn't show up in injury report, and then he played. And then we usually, like, look like he maybe shouldn't have been playing <laughs> the two times that it happened, and then he yeah. didn't play anymore. So that's a little bit different. This is more reminiscent of me to the one that jumps out to me, and I think there are other examples, but the 2021 opener where you go up to Minnesota and Seven Banks is not listed on the injury report, goes through warm-ups in full uniform, and it just doesn't play. So then you had Denzel Burke and and who was it, Ryan Watts, that were starting that game, I think. Yeah. And you're like, what is going on out here? And in, in the case of Denzel Burke, at least, it, it looked you know fine in the long run. But that was where we first had this back and forth with Ryan Day about like, so wait, so he was too injured to play. Like, well, no, he could have played. Like, so he's not injured. Like, well, no, he's he's got some things. He's so like, which is it? Like, just <laughs> like what what do how does Ryan Day define questionable? Because when a guy is dealing with an injury, and that's why you're not going to play him, even though he could play, that some would say is the textbook definition of questionable. You he could have played, and you got to the game, and then there was a question of whether or not he would. And then he didn't. That's questionable to me. But it's not something I'm going to get too hung up on. It's something I've decided to just sort of jump right past, which is why people who listen to Buckeye Talk know that last week, what did we say in the middle of the week? We said, hey, just FYI, Kate Stover is dealing with something. Didn't look like super great on practice, at practice on Wednesday after practice. And maybe that means nothing, but he is dealing with something. Don't be shocked. I think I might have even said, like, don't be shocked if this is kind of like an Emeka Buka situation where, like, maybe he's not on injury report, but that doesn't mean he's not going to play. I don't know if I actually said those words, but that's what I was alluding to. And then that's what happened. So uh, we've decided to the the injury report, the availability report is no kind of gospel. It's just like a it is just one of the things that we have at our disposal that we try to to make reads off of now at this point. And I do think that the, I do think opponent should matter. I think it should matter in terms of maybe the timeline you put on things. Cause like right now there's a real timeline to try to get guys back for Michigan more than to get them back for Minnesota potentially. Right. I also think, and we saw this a little bit with Emeka Buka last week, I think not in his head or his body. So I don't know for sure. And we have not spoken to Abuka yet. But he didn't seem all the way back yet. He seemed a little bit off still, which is completely understandable when you've been off for a month and you're playing a really solid pass defense. So there's that to take into consideration, too, that if you push it right up to the that last game, they haven't had that chance to maybe get their legs back the same way, to get their timing back the same way. It helps to ease into that. So that's why I think you would maybe look a week ahead maybe you, if you want somebody back from Michigan you're really pushing to get them back from Minnesota because you can get them in the game at all and get if as long as they're healthy or healthy enough and get them going that I think that helps them play better the next week for Michigan but I think when it's if it comes down to like this guy's really on the borderline and he really wants to play 
because I'm sure Kate Stover wanted to play. I know he wanted to play at halftime. We saw him come back out and start running around oh, yeah. and get on the headset like he wanted back in that game. But I'm sure he wanted to play from the beginning. I'm sure Tommy Eichenberg does not want to miss a snap. But if you're favored by 31 points um, at home and you are in a team like Ohio State that has the sort of depth that it is supposed to have and does at some of these positions, I think it's perfectly okay to use opponent to decide whether or not to shut it down for at least a week. Okay, last thing on this. It's recording this on Tuesday. As you're listening to this, we're going to be back at the video on Wednesday, so we'll see if some of these guys are at least dressed and look like they practiced. 614-350-3315. Get the text. Two-week free trial, 399. After that, when we see them, we're going to text it. We're going to write about it, too, and we're going to pot about it, but we're going to text it first because that's the first thing we do here. 614-350-3315. All feels, Nathan, based off of the way Ryan Day has talked about some of these guys after the game on Saturday and the way he talked about some of these guys on Tuesday. Denzel Burke, Lathan Ransom, Tommy Eichenberg, Cade Stover, Devin Brown, Josh Proctor. How many of those guys do you feel confident about right now that they're going to play against Michigan State on Saturday? Confident? I would say reasonable confidence. I would say Stover, Proctor, and uh, maybe Brown, but I don't think it would be running that red zone package. I think it might be, hey, we're up by 30 in the second half. Let's get our backup quarterback um, a series or something like that. But they may also want to, I mean, Tristan Jebby also hasn't touched a ball in a game. He has not thrown a ball in anger, as they say, um, this season. Like, that's more of a baseball term. But uh, I think that would also be reasonable in case something happens also with Devin Brown later. Like, do you want him to be completely cold the first time he ever touches a ball in a real way in a game if he has to? So maybe does he need to get a series? I don't know. Um, I think the you know, for Ohio State, the bigger concern is like to just get one of those big leads again in a game where you have to talk about mm-hmm. how you're emptying your bench and then then worry about that second problem. Um, it's so late in the season, though, that it's I, I think you would still maybe want Devin Brown to be getting those reps just because if if he's close, if he's being if he's this close to being fine, then he's the guy who would most likely be the one that you need against Michigan. Andrew. Of that list, if I had you mark it down, what just guys you, you would say are confident in right now as we're recording this on a Tuesday, and we're going to find out more information obviously throughout the week, but right now, I think the most confident guy I would be in was Proctor. Um, okay. I feel good about him playing. Um, Stover's up there. I think Nathan's right about Devin Brown, you're not going to see him. If if Devin Brown plays, it's very much going to be a the scoreboard says it's thirty-eight to seven entering the fourth quarter. And Devin Brown's job is to take the snap and turn left or turn right and hand the ball to Chip Trainer and hand the ball to somebody coming out of the backfield. Um so I think I want to put like an asterisk on on Devin Brown. I, I think with Nathan, I'm with him. Tommy Eichenberg is the is the one I'm curious about. Because you guys talked about him, like I obviously wasn't here last year, but you guys talked about him. This man was playing with no thumbs last year. He's gone from and, Tommy no thumbs to Tommy no arms. 
Yeah, and like that is a that is something with Eichenberg where it's like you have to protect the investment a little bit because Jim Knowles was right. If they tell him, "Hey, we'll let you play if you think you can play," he'd play if he got like a knife to the stomach like Tommy Eichenberg would play pretty much no matter what and I think you could make the same argument about Cade Stover although Cade Stover did just not play so you have an extra week maybe of of no um you know no violence no contact no anything um so Eichenberg I'm curious about because you might be able to spare a game with him. I mean, we've heard so much about Cody Simon and we've heard so much about some of these other linebackers that are, you know, kind of rising up. It could it be a week to get Tommy Eichenberg a, a week off? I it I don't know. This, it sounds like this would have to be a trainers have to step in and say no situation. So I'm curious to see what happens with Eichenberg. Um Ransom feels long term feels a couple of weeks um who else are we forgetting who else am i forgetting here i feel like i is that the list denzel burke, burke denzel burke i would feel good about burke playing and then what was the other one i think that was it all right well i feel I good think. about denzel burke playing finn okay dash i don't think denzel dash. burke i don't think denzel burke plays i don't think they need him to play okay and i think if he can get another week off fine I was talking with somebody before the game on Saturday and they told me Lathan is literally they're taking it week by week. So I think Nathan, you're right. It's probably we're not probably going to see him again until Michigan. That seems to be the goal there to get him ready to play in that game. We got Josh Proctor after the game. So if it was really that serious, we would not. They, we, they would not have let us put a bunch of cameras in his face and talk to him after the game. I don't think Tommy plays, but Nathan, I do think we might be making the same joke about him. Well, I'm not going to be at the game, so maybe you and Andrew can make it. But I won't be shocked if there's a point at halftime when he's on the headset talking to Jim Knowles trying to get on the field. Like, just because well, him and Tommy are kind of, him and Cade are like the same dude at that point. Yeah, but Cade um, was influenced by the fact his team was losing at halftime. That's true. That's true. And Michigan State's not going to be beating Ohio State at halftime. I'll, I'll mark that Wouldn't down think right so. now. I think it's a better chance that Lincoln Keenholz gets his first snaps as a Buckeye than Devin Brown plays on Saturday. because, And it's based off of your conversation with him, Nathan. You said that he told you that if it was an emergency situation, had Kyle McCord got, gone down and they needed him to play in a competitive game, he would have played. But garbage snaps, Tristan Jebbia would have been out there. So if Devin Brown is playing on Saturday, by those words, that's telling me the only way Devin Brown gets on the field is if somehow Michigan State makes this thing competitive and Kyle McCord gets abducted by aliens in the second quarter. So if that doesn't happen, but if this game goes the way we all think it's going to go, then Devin Brown is just going to be on the sideline and pads watching the game as a spectator. And Tristan Jebbia is potentially going to get his first snaps. But I do think if Lincoln Keenholz is going to play in the game, it's going to be either this week or next week because Devin Brown isn't 100% healthy and because of the level of the opponent. Let's take a break there, and then when we come back, we talked football stuff with Ryan Day, especially a lot about Kyle McCord, a lot of special teams talk as well. So we'll get into some of that here when we come back from the break on Buckeye Talk. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. It's Buckeye Talk. Except on Tuesday, it was special teams talk for like the seventh millionth week in a row. Nathan, we asked Ryan Day on Saturday what went wrong on the Jesse Miracle. I think he gained two yards on it. So at least it was a, it went forward. It didn't <laughs> lose yards. But on the failed fake, non fake punt again, he said he wanted to wait until he talked with people and got a chance to look at it and maybe he'd have a better answer for us on Tuesday. Well, it was Tuesday. Did he have a better answer for us, or did he have any answer about what the heck went wrong this time? I mean, it was a moderately better answer, but it was sort of what we might have speculated happened on that play, which is they have a read, and Jesse Mirko made that read, and on a fourth and five at his own 30, decided to run it. And I thought Ryan Day was sort of of two minds on the way he described this because he first came out and, and said, well, the ball should have been punted. That was like the first thing out of his mouth. But then later he talked about the way that that play was set up that he made. Did you guys hear this too? That like Mirko made the decision too quickly. Was that what you mm-hmm. heard him say that he, he, yes, he, and we noted this as we watched it right as it, after it happened, which is that he tucks that ball immediately. If you go back to last year when the same situation arose against Rutgers and he ran it for first down, the whole concept, not the whole concept, but one of the concepts around the rugby style punt is that you already are kind of in this trot and you look like you're mm-hmm. going to punt it and then you can make the last second decision to tuck it and run. And this time I thought he became Eddie George as soon as that ball got to his fingers. And the other team Rutgers recognized that while also recognizing that's not actually Eddie George, that's Jesse Mirko. And that's how on fourth and five, you get two yards. So, um, but the crux of it being that Jesse Mirko did not line up there with, um, because Ryan Day is talking about a gray area in communication. And what that to me said was that Jesse Mirko did not line up with a defined um, concept of whether or not he should be running there under any circumstances or a defined concept of how that needed to be executed. If he did have the, the freedom to, to freelance and make that decision. And it's, you know, if you can, you can talk about miscommunication there, you can talk about miscommunication last year on the two fake punts that never came to be one because they only had 10 guys on the field and Kirby smart called the timeout anyway, but the other one, because they didn't make the right snap because the guy didn't hear the call apparently, or Lorenzo styles, Jr. Not hearing the ball, like the getaway call, like it's miscommunication is a consistent either excuse slash euphemism slash something 
as it relates to special teams. And I think Ryan Day is frustrated by it, to say the least. He is still was asked today about Parker Fleming's job and certainly didn't sound like he had considered strongly that they needed to make a change because it was not that long ago that he gave him a you know contract extension and a raise. But I don't know how, if, you, if you're going to devote those resources to a special teams coordinator and you have one person, and then especially because Ryan Day then went beyond that today and said, well, it's not just a special teams coordinator. All these coaches have a hand in special teams. Well, then then how is communication? You, It would seem like you have set yourself up to have explicit communication, like crystal clear communication with all of these channels um, and, a, and a coordinator at the top to make sure everything is being communicated and to still have in so many different facets to keep coming up muddy is, is I'm, I'm, I understand why fans are, are frustrated by it. I don't have a rooting interest in this team and I'm still frustrated watching them on special teams. You can't, right now have have confidence that Ohio State can execute a critical play in special teams. Not that they won't. I'm not saying that you have to be worried that they're always going to screw up a basic play. But both in the Michigan game and the Georgia game last year, they lined up with a strategy in mind and a play that they had prepared and were ready to execute and then did not have special teams ready to execute that play. Didn't just didn't have it both times, and so what confidence do you have as Ryan Day right now that when that game is on the line in Ann Arbor and your like short term legacy is on the line in Ann Arbor and potentially the playoff spot and the national championship opportunity is on the line in Ann Arbor, are you calling that play now? Do you have confidence you can call that play? I think my biggest issue with it right now is you're talking about does Ryan Day have confidence that they can you know execute something when they need to execute a fake, especially a fake in those situations like they tried to do against Michigan and, and Georgia last year. I think the bigger concern is do you think this team can just execute the fundamental stuff? Because that this is all none of their problems so far have been the Michigan thing was a botched fake punt, the Georgia thing was a botched fake punt. Even if, because even if uh, Kirby Smart hadn't have caught, uh, like snuffed, sniffed it out and called timeout, you had more players in the field than you should have had. So it would have been a penalty anyway. These aren't botched aggressive calls. This is just Jesse Merco should have punted the ball and he didn't punt the ball. We should have been able to execute a snap here so we can punt the ball. Don't hit, let the ball hit you so we end up with a turnover. These are just basic fundamental things that aren't happening. Andrew. You weren't here in 2021. Another thing you weren't here for that seems to be popping up all these fiascos. Yeah, I fiascos. Feel like I missed a lot of the party that, that happened on You didn't. The you're, you're, getting the, you're getting up. the cliff notes this year. It's huh? going to be all right. Yeah, you're getting the cliff notes of everything that's been the last couple of years here. But after the Oregon game, Ryan Day decided to fundamentally shift roles and responsibilities on the defensive staff. Kerry Combs had been the defensive coordinator and the play caller. No longer that. He gave that to Matt Barnes. Ryan Day got asked about that idea on Tuesday and doing with that example in mind of maybe changing some things in terms of roles and responsibilities on special teams. He said no to that, to that question. We're nine games in this team is still nine and nine and oh, they're still in a position to potentially make the playoff, win the big 10 championship, compete for a national championship. Everything they want is still in front of them, but should Ryan day be open to the idea of 
making some changes in terms of who is in charge of what with the special teams unit right now, given that it has become a problem to the point that it could cost you a game one day. So I'm glad you said that last part because that was what I was going to say. Um, I think you have to consider it. I think you have to consider changing up anything that's going to help you. Um, we will get into this with McCord, and I'm not trying to jump the gun, but for weeks I have been kind of – I feel like one of those like climate scientists in like a movie where you see like the, you know the beginning of every like you know sci-fi disaster movie there's always like some scientists like screaming like this is terrible the, the world's going to end and like nobody takes mm-hmm. them seriously i feel like that kind of person when it comes to some of this stuff because you're gonna hit the perfect storm eventually and that perfect storm is going to be you're playing a team like a Michigan, like a Georgia, like a Oregon or Washington or whoever. And, you know, you have a turnover on offense that's bad. But, like, think about, I mean, Penn State is not as good as Michigan. Like, I I, I feel comfortable in saying that, although they're going to play this weekend, so we'll find out. But I don't believe that Penn State is as good as Michigan. And you can't have Lorenzo Styles not knowing where the ball is and having that relate to uh, get to a turnover because the defense can do its job against Michigan, but you also have to understand that Michigan is going to try and do its job against Ohio state's defense. And they're probably going to be more effective than Penn state's offense was like, those are plays that will kill you, right? Those are plays that lose games. And when you compact these things with one another you can't give away possessions in games like that. You can't have whatever in the world happened with the punt getting from coach to player ear against Rutgers. You can't have that because Michigan is not going to do the Rutgers thing where they kick field goals at the two, three, and four yard line in the first half. They're going to score at least once. And we talked about this after the game. Think about how differently that game goes if Rutgers scores once or twice. They punch the ball in the end zone once or twice on those drives. Like it was nine to seven at the end of the first half, and they were winning despite getting stopped three times in the red zone and inside the five. And Ohio State's defense deserves a ton of credit for that. They did it against Wisconsin, they did it against Rutgers. Hoorah, hooray for them. There's better offenses on the horizon, and those are the moments that are going to kill you. You can't have that. You can't give teams the ball in their in your own territory because there's a bad snap, like there was against Maryland. You can't have this where there's a miscommunication and you, nobody really knows what they're doing against um, against Rutgers. You can't have the play like Styles made, or I guess didn't make against Penn State, where. Penn State's punting from their own end zone. You're going to have great field position. Now all of a sudden the field flips and Penn State has the ball at midfield. Those are, you're right. Those are game losing plays. And we are at the point now where they're not game losing plays. They are very, very close. We are nearly at that stretch. We got two more games, 120 more minutes of football. And we are going to be at the point where those game losing mistakes become season-ending mistakes and season-ruining mistakes if you're going to make these errors. So you have to consider it because you've got two weeks left. And it's I think you you, you got to try something and you got to fix it because if you don't, you are going to go into that Michigan game kind of teetering with disaster. But it's like it's tough because I still – so so let's say they decided to make a change. You're making – who are you making the special teams coordinator at that point? 
Um, <laughs> or I guess, are you elevating someone from quality control or the, the GA level where, where, where Parker Fleming came from in the first place? Or are you giving those duties to a different coach? Like, I don't know that it makes, I don't know if it helps the likelihood of special team success from this week to next. If you like make Keenan Bailey now the de facto special teams coordinator, in addition to what he's doing with your tight end room, plus in addition to what he's also doing um, on game days and stuff, helping with the offense, right? He's up in the booth on game days doing offensive stuff. I mean, it's there's not if there was an easy fix like in in 2021 it was week two they had just lost a game because of it they had also frankly just lost a game where they played offense mostly well enough to win the game which I think also probably especially chapped Ryan Day's cookies and uh, that day but they chapped Ryan Day's chapped cookies. Ryan yeah, Day's chapped Ryan cookies? Day's cookies I've never they <laughs> okay they they uh but you could make that decision early in the year without. The interruption had already happened, right? The loss had already mm-hmm. happened. You could change things to to try to counter an interruption. I, I understand people have frustrations about special teams, but that same level of drasticness hasn't necessarily hit yet. Also, you could very easily, you know, Kerry teams, Kerry Combs was the defensive coordinator. Matt Barnes was the secondaries coach. Kerry Combs also helping in that group, obviously. We just made Matt Barnes the play caller and, and Kerry Combs spent more time coaching the DBs and, and could go up in the booth on, on Saturday. It's like there was a more seamless switch. I don't know exactly what they would really do if they decided to make that transition with this late in the season with with Parker Fleming. I think it's a bigger conversation for the offseason. I think it should have been a bigger conversation in the past offseason. We were having the conversation like two years before that as to what, mm-hmm. why they balanced the coaching staff this way. And if you're going to do it, you've got to, you really have to get the payoff from special teams and the payoff is not happening. In fact, they are running a deficit. I think you would argue. So uh, people can go back. It was, I think last February, we did a big episode, Doug, it was a Doug episode where he did a long sit down talk with Parker Fleming and just did a whole episode talking about special teams. People should go back and listen to that because it's still instructive um, that, that, you know, Parker Fleming explained some of the things that happened in the bad way. He defended the performance overall saying of all the places where there was good things. It's just, it, the balance of the staff has never made sense to me. And the only thing that would ever make it make sense is that you have just some awesome stuff schemed up on special teams and you play very clean on that side of the ball. If having a coordinator that costs you elsewhere, having that coordinator there, you play so clean on special teams that it gives you an advantage on Saturdays and neither of those things are happening. They are not playing clean and they're not frankly doing anything very special with their special teams. That is something that he has schemed up by any, by, by anyone's estimation that I've talked to in weeks. They're basic teams. They're not special teams. They're just basic teams. We were so prophetic about this 2023 team two years ago, man. Everything we said that could possibly be good about this team has happened, but everything that we said that could possibly be bad about this team has also happened. So it's very scary how right we were about a lot of different things here. And I can't believe you guys didn't play the lottery. You didn't play the lottery in those years. I know. These are going to be the lottery numbers in 2023. 
He didn't do it. I wouldn't be the bonus pod if I won the lottery. You guys actually wouldn't have known. (laughs) Just, you know, somewhere on the island. One last point I want to make about this. Back when Day did that in 21, Nathan, I, I, I asked the question. I remember, I think it was after a game where I asked, how much are the defensive issues taking away from the time that you would, in other words, spend with a young new starting quarterback? And he said, a lot, plus more. I didn't go back and find it, but I just remember that part of it. That, that he, was, he was very adamant about that. I have to go spend time doing this now, so I can't do what I want to do. And I'm actually pretty sure it was after the Tulsa game that I asked him that question. But he also had Kevin Wilson then, who was a pretty good offensive line in his own right. So while it was annoying for him, at least if it had really gotten bad to where Ryan Day's like, you know what? This is an extreme hypothetical, of course, but it's like, you know what? I can't focus on play calling right now because I got to figure out my defense. Kevin, please take over the play calling. I think the play calling would have been fine. And we saw that the year before that when Ryan Day wasn't on the sideline against Michigan State and Kevin Wilson was calling plays and the offense ran fine. It was finely tuned. I think not having Kevin Wilson takes away to your point of, okay, then like how do you restructure the staff? It takes away any blanket that you could do because the answer to that question is the head coach needs to spend more time with the special teams unit. But, but you can't do that when you don't have a guy like Kevin Wilson in there who can who can at least, you know, there's not as much of a gap when Kevin Wilson is in there as a voice versus now when Ryan Hartline, yes, he's an offensive coordinator, but really more in, in name than it is by duty right now. Well, why doesn't Ohio State have a veteran, like, proven offensive coordinator in there the way they do with Jim Knowles? Because Ryan Day chose not to have one. Ryan Day chose to promote Brian yep. Hartline and then not give him play calling duties. Like I, we did a video after practice, after interviews on Tuesday, talking about this issue and how much where we put the blame. And I still put the majority of the blame for special teams on Ryan Day because all of this stems from decisions he's made all along. The way he wanted to balance the staff, mm-hmm. the, the fact that he wanted to promote a guy that he knew from um, from the from inside down the hall, like all of that is is Ryan Day's call. And on top of that. The decision in this past offseason to not only promote him and give him a raise, but to then also keep all the play calling for himself so that that means, like, we we talked this ad nauseum, that one of the reasons why he was considering giving it up was because it allowed him to spread his oversight into other areas. And when you don't give it up, you don't spread that oversight into other areas. Are you going to tell me that the head coach, you can tell me that Urban Meyer would still be having this, do you think Urban Meyer would still be having these problems on special teams this far into the season? No, because Urban Meyer was already over his special teams. To your point, yeah, he had already decided, I'm going to go over here and let somebody else deal with this play calling issue. So, yes, you're correct. I'm just saying, like, it's, and even if, even if, even if, but my point being that even if Urban Meyer were not already kind of intimately involved with special teams, I think he would have made himself more involved yeah. with special teams. Is stuff getting communicated mm-hmm. correctly? Do we have an understanding of what we're supposed to be doing and how we're lining up on plays and what guys are supposed to do? I think the head coach might have been in those meetings or in those practices asking more of those questions. And Ryan Day's focus is uh, distracted. Now, it's distracted in an important way, helping with mm-hmm. the quarterbacks, overseeing the quarterbacks. By the way, it was also his choice to hire the quarterbacks coach that he has hired, who he obviously doesn't trust 
more than himself to go lead the quarterback room and be on top of the quarterbacks, right? So like all of those things stem back to the way Ryan Day has decided to to structure his coaching staff. And he, if he thought that not having a voice like Kevin Wilson was going to make um was going to leave them vulnerable to problems like this because he wouldn't be able to divert his attention and he did it anyway for whatever reason, then that is on him. Like that's not it's not it, it, having your head coach, having your offensive coordinator who didn't call plays leave to become the head coach at Tulsa uh, and then opening the offensive coordinator position at one of the best programs in the country is not a, is not adversity. That's not something you have to overcome. If you made decisions that made it more adverse for you down the line, uh, so be it. Like you, you promoted Brian Hartline because you thought Brian Hartline needed a promotion and maybe you wanted to start some sort of development track for him to take over play calling. We'll see. But like for the short term, you you made you may have made decisions that made this exact circumstance that we're looking at right now more likely. The fact that there are two people from Ryan Day's original staff who are head coaches at programs right now. You're right. That's not a sign of adversity. That's a sign of a healthy football program. That's how it's supposed to be. Let's take another break right there, and then we'll talk about the quarterbacks because that's the other big topic of conversation. The quarterbacks and the passing offense as a whole, that special teams and injuries. That was basically what Tuesday's press conference was, and so we'll get into the passing offense and the quarterbacks after this break here on Buckeye Talk. Back here on Buckeye Talk, get to text 614-350-3315. When we're talking with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles on Tuesday at a press conference, we're texting out information off of that. We're back in the Woody on Wednesday evening talking with players and talking with Ryan Day for his lightning round. We're texting off that. Ryan Day does his radio show on Thursday. We're texting off that. And on Thursday and on Saturday, when Andrew and Nathan are back at a football game and I'll be at a wedding, I won't be texting off my wedding, but they will be texting off of Ohio State's game versus Michigan State. So get the text. 614-350-3315. Two-week free trial. 399 after that. Andrew. Ryan Day was getting a bunch of questions about Kyle McCord, and I asked one. I think Nathan asked. No, I no. Nathan asked about special teams and other stuff. Other people asked, were asking I asked a more general thing questions about the and offense, just, and I asked more generally about the the slow starts for the offense, which yeah, yeah is yeah. a roundabout way of asking about the quarterback in some ways because they're connected to everything. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so Nathan's asking offensive questions. I'm asking offensive questions. Everybody's asking offensive questions. Based on the way Ryan Day was talking about Kyle McCord, the way he was talking about this offense, especially how the run game is starting to click and some of the stuff he liked about Kyle McCord. And then you look at these next two opponents, Minnesota and Michigan State, where to some extent you can pick your score against both of these opponents before you get on the field with Michigan and it gets back to where it really matters here. How important are these next two games for Ohio State's passing attack and can we learn anything about what this passing attack can be when it gets back on the field with a like-minded opponent like Michigan based off of what their performance looks like over the next two weeks? You know, I think it's important for confidence purposes. Um, you know, it's important to want to get Emeka back involved. Um, you want to get some guys back into the flow of things, back into rhythm of things. That That's what I would look at these next couple of weeks as, um, you know, the mo- one of the more interesting things that I thought Ryan said, um, and obviously, you know, we don't know exactly how this is graded, but he said, were it not for the interception, Kyle would have graded out as a champion on on Saturday against Rutgers. I thought that that was pretty interesting. Um, obviously, again, we don't know what gets a plus, what gets a minus. There's obviously different reads and different things that we are just not going to be privy to. But I, I thought that that was interesting. And 
I think when I look at these next two games, I think that Ohio State is in a unique position because Michigan State and Minnesota are not going to present the problem and problems that Michigan will uh, in the last game of the regular season. So for me, I don't think run game, pass game, offensive line, I don't quarterback just in general. I know we're talking about McCord, but just in general, I don't know if there's anything that he or anyone else can do in these next couple of weeks that has been a problem and then have me say, Oh, well it's good. They're fine now. You know, I I don't, I don't think that we're at that point. I, I think that there is an element of building confidence, getting back in rhythm, making things look smooth, having the offense flow as you want it to like, I, I, you know, one of you guys made a great point in one of our YouTube videos, like that stats aren't really, you know, a huge deal. I, I think in these two games, and I mostly agree with that. I look at improvement and I think that you can like Kyle McCord can go out there and take care of the turnover gene and improve that and not turn the ball over and not really have any turnover worthy plays. And you can do those type of things against these next two opponents. And all I'll be able to say going into the Michigan game is, Oh, it's a good sign. Very good sign going into the Michigan game. Doesn't mean that it's fixed. Doesn't mean that it's going to be taken care of. But I think these next two games kind of offer you a little bit of runway to ramp yourself up for this Michigan game. So I I, I was intrigued by Ryan Day saying that Kyle McCord graded out as a champion other like he would have if there wasn't the interception, which tells me that he thought Kyle McCord played pretty well. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, we, we talked about that throw a little bit after the game. It wasn't a decision. It wasn't a read. Brian said it was just a flat ball and, and that, you know, he's got to put some air underneath it. So it was a throw that has to be better. And it wasn't a decision like the Wisconsin play where he just should, he should just throw it to the guy selling hot dogs in section one eleven. Like he just made a bad read at Wisconsin and he just made a bad throw against Rutgers. So I'm curious to see what his evolution and his progress looks like over these next two weeks. And um, I, again, I'm, I'm curious what that means going into the Michigan game. Nathan, I think with your question, he used the word urgency with you. And then to my question, he was saying, he said, take the next step. When you hear urgency in talking about, let's start with the urgency one first. When you hear urgency, from Ryan Day when talking about Ohio State's offense, especially the passing attack. What does that mean? Just decode Ryan Day talk for us and what that should mean for Ohio State's offense over the next two weeks. Yeah, so my question was, um, I wish I had worded it better, but it was was essentially saying, hey, you guys seem pretty excited about what you've done in the second halves of some of these games. And Rutgers would be another example. They're down, you know, Nine seven at halftime, they went thirty five to sixteen. That's a pretty big flip. Now seven of those points they got were from defense, but still the offense clearly clicked better in the second half than it did in the first. You could say the same thing about Wisconsin. You could say the same thing about some of the other games that they played, Maryland, some other games this year. Um, and he was, you know, his answer. But my point being, like, you know, what where's your balance right now between being enthused by what you're seeing as far as like a team that really gets after it in the second half and your concern about putting yourself in a hole you can't get out of here in a couple weeks. And, you know, he's talking about seeing good individual performances on film and that they want to see more drives finish. And that's been something we've been talking and I've been writing about for a while is that this is not a good uh, 
offensive team as far as getting in the red zone and then finishing touchdowns. And there's a weird dichotomy kind of going on here with this team where like they have to be more efficient getting touchdowns in the red zone. And they probably also have to approach those possessions from like the 15 yard line to the 30 yard line, maybe a little differently they have in the past and maybe take the three points there more than they have before. That's probably a whole different segment we could have sometime. But the one thing that he did, you know, <laughs> encouraging that how many more guys graded out, that sort of thing. But here's what he finished. So again, there are definitely signs that we're moving in the right direction, but you know, it's getting late in the season. So our urgency is at an all time high. And I think that's important because Ryan Day is not a throw guys under the bus at a press conference kind of coach. And a lot of times he will come in and lead with positives, unless it's something like special teams where he's just tired of talking about it. But a lot of times, and maybe especially with his quarterbacks, can be a little bit protective and with the offense in general saying like, listen, there are good things out there, which we've all seen. It's not like we haven't seen this team do any of the things that we have sort of in our analysis asked them to do more, that we think they might need to do more to beat Michigan. But to hear him say, so things are like the progress is there, but it's a recognition from him that this isn't week six. This is week 10 going on week 11, going on week 13 when this whole thing comes to a fruition, right? So I thought that was interesting that to hear him say, you know, yes, I'm I'm also out here advocating that we are making progress, but I'm not stupid. I can read a calendar. I know that this thing has to. So it, it, to go back to our, maybe the original question that it's, I think they need to see a boost soon. And I think he thinks they need to see a boost soon, which leads into what you were talking about, which is it's not all on Kyle McCord, but what is he expecting from Kyle McCord? What does he think Kyle McCord has to be in this next couple of weeks? When I heard next step from him, I don't think next step is, oh, he's going to turn into CJ Stroud, Justin Fields at the end of their first years. But I do think that that next step is he's got to be able to do it when they need him to do it. And we haven't seen that yet in terms of like the consistency. We've seen the, okay, he doesn't get worried and rattled in moments that matter, but the consistency of first quarter, second, third quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, there's not a lot of hiccups in the passing game. We haven't seen that yet. And I think taking that step and unlocking that unlocks an offense that isn't just Marvin Harrison Jr. or nothing in terms of a passing attack right now. I want to read the exact quote just to make sure people know exactly what's that because he's breaking down like all the things and what Andrew was just talking about how if you if you throw an interception turn the ball over you're not going to grade out as a champion though he graded out well overall and he said so again I thought there was progress made he started off well had a bunch of completions in a row that was good something that we've been focused on trying to get into a rhythm early in the game so basically saying that some of the some of the actual goals that they had for the Rutgers game were even met. Uh, so some real good there. And, you know, he's got to take the next step here again this week. So, again, I think that's more tacit confirmation from Day that of both of the things that we've been saying, that Comicord doesn't have to come out and be what C.J. Stroud was. That's never been the way that this team was built. And that there are things that he's doing within this offense and some gradual things that he's improved on, decision-making and uh, 
had a good ball security. He actually went out of his way almost to the point where you felt a little bit bad for Kyle McCord that Ryan Day was like going out of his way to talk about, but he held onto the ball when he got sacked. Like he mentioned it like three times in one answer. And I was a little bit like, okay, he doesn't fumble every time, but like, but he did have a better ball security day other than the, the, the interception that was just a missed throw. It wasn't a bad decision. Um, not still an interception. I'm just saying, just, just describing the difference, but but he is also saying so all the all the good is there, at least if, even if it's not there as consistently as people want. And now I think I think what he's talking about when he says the next step, I think it's that consistency. I think it's OK. So now you need to have a game where you grade out as a champion and you don't throw the pick that takes you out of being a champion. I think you need to have a game where I don't have to come back in and try to explain why you threw that interception like those things. I need to have another mm-hmm. game where you get you're in the, you're in the trouble in the pocket three times and all three times, even if we don't get a play out of it, we keep possession like those sorts of things. Like that's what he's asking for. That's the next step is just the more consistent reliability. That is the reason he gave common core the job in the first place. And I think one more thing to add to that, we, we were talking on the Monday pod. I think people in general were, were wondering whether he was checking it down too often and didn't push the ball down the field as often as he should have. Ryan day did not agree with that at all. In fact, he said that, Rutgers spent a lot of the day in cover two with two high safeties. And so when a team is telling you you're not going to be able to push the ball down the field like that, you have to be willing to take the check downs. So he mentioned the Travion Henderson check down. He mentioned the Emeka Abuka check down earlier in the game. He was happy from a decision standpoint of where, where Kyle McCord decided to go with the ball on a throw-by-throw basis, even on the interception. Though he agreed with you, Nathan. He did say that, yeah, even though you can explain why this interception happened and it wasn't a bad read, it's still an interception. You can't have an interception, which is why you didn't grade as a champion. But I, I did. I clear. I wanted to clear that up as well. The fact that he didn't think that Kyle McCord missed guys on throws. He thought Rutgers had a scheme that forced them to dink and dunk it up the field. And maturely, Kyle McCord took the checkdowns, and it ended up paying off eventually for Travion Henderson having that sixty-five yard uh, catch. Yeah, I, and I'm of. I'm not one hundred percent sure how I feel about that. I think there's part of me that's like, yes, that is. I mean, my God, go watch the NFL. Like, isn't like 85% of an NFL offense just checking the ball down, I think? Like, go, go look at how many. It's why running backs 85. are so valuable in fantasy. <laughs> not 85. But, but no kidding. Like, go back and look at the crawl of stats on a given NFL Sunday, and you see like, oh, he was, he was 21 of 35 for 180 yards. And you're like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. They really, it's, it's not necessarily all just launching it down the field. Now, but I will. I'm, I'm being facetious right now. But I, I, I hear what Ryan Day's saying. I, I feel like I'm trying to put my myself in the mind of fans here. I hear what Ryan Day is saying. There's a lot of that that makes logical sense. But I also think you can't allow a defense to dictate how you play offense. Um, I think you have to maybe. Is there something more they could have done to create those opportunities? That's what I kind of came away also thinking that it not that you can't just say well you know they the, you know that's what they did so what are we supposed to do about it like um isn't there what's your counterpunch when they're playing that that can still make you explosive i don't think you can just say well i guess we're just not explosive in the passing game this week and and now their biggest explosive play in the passing game was on a checkdown so that's where it also kind of comes back mm-hmm. to uh, that's the other element here and and that's why Ryan Day was so excited about that play because it's it's this is not a what's what's the example here it's like it's like when you're playing blackjack 
the decisions that you make are all pre-decided because it's all based on math and you're trying to do as well as you can in the long run. And I sometimes feel like that's the way that this offense is, is going to have to work too. That it's, it's, you're making the right decision, you're making the right decision, you're making the right decision. And when it all syncs up on that check down to Trevion, then it becomes 65 yards. Then it's the jackpot. And I think they think that jackpot is always there. And that's, but it's, it's why it's more critical than ever that they're really, really, really efficient because they can't make up for it a lack of efficiency the same way with like one throw that CJ Stroud could, or maybe even that Justin Fields could when the way, when you add in his running element, that it's a little bit more limited this year, at least a little bit more limited. That's why the efficiency is so critical. I don't know. I, I, I think I agreed with Ryan Day's assessment of the checkdowns and the way he broke it down. And the reason why is I'll bring up this example. Notre Dame, Ohio State 2022. Notre Dame played Ohio State the exact same way Rutgers did. Too high safety for most of the night. No, CJ, you're not beating us deep. No, CJ, you're not beating us deep. And if you remember, his stat line from that game isn't like the most CJ Stroud stat line in the world. 24, 34, 223 yards. That's a 6.6 yards per attempt average for two touchdowns. Like he wasn't like lighting it up. He right. was patient and he took the checkdowns. But what happened? Eventually, Notre Dame got greedy and they sent the safeties on a blitz and they hit Xavier Johnson for a touchdown, which was like the yeah. game ceiling touchdown. And I think that's Ryan Day's point is that in some in games like it was this, my point too. That's you like just exactly gotta, the that's exactly the jackpot thing I was just talking about. Oh well, then yeah, okay. I'm just giving an example of a jackpot. <laughs> that's why. Well, then yeah, okay. Well, then never mind. We'll shake hands and uh, good pod, good pod, <laughs> good pod. I, I want to talk about one more thing. Okay. That he said today. And it was just because just because you and I talked about it so much on the Monday pod. Um, it was mm-hmm. very funny, I thought, when he was asked about what happened on that sack. Because oh, yeah. we talked about it so much and about what might have happened on that sack. We're like, well, is that Kyle McCord's fault, really? Because he didn't set mm-hmm. the correct the, 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 the protection right. And like, is it Josh Fryer just sitting out there, like just lost in space? Is it Trevion? Was he supposed to like actually be on the other side, or was he supposed to pick that guy up when he read things? And it turns out that Ryan Day's best explanation for that was, we've never seen a team blitz that way before. I have no idea what they were doing, but we but we fixed it for in case they ever did it again. But then they didn't. I, it was one of the more. It was just one of the funnier moments that I I can remember having. And it wasn't like other than like someone trying to make a joke, which someone tried yeah. to do today and it didn't go over very well. I didn't think people can go back and listen if they want to. But uh, but as far as just like. Sometimes, like Ryan Day, who's seen football inside and out from so many different directions, and so so often, even like right after a game, you can ask him, like, hey, what happened on that? And he's like, well, actually, I got a really good look at that. Here's what happened. And he'll give you a very X's and O's explanation of everything that happened, as if he were watching it on film in real time at that moment. And in this time, he's just kind of like, oh, like the will and the in the will and the nickel came at the same time. They had never, ever done that on film. And when he says they've never done it on film, I think he means like, a Greg Schiano team has never done that among the like dozen people that we had breaking down film. And like, cause they just, he, he still comes out of it being like, ah, so we made it. He said, uh, he said that they in game made a correction for what they would do if that happened again. And it just never happened again, which he, he actually wonders if maybe Rutgers had its play call wrong, that both those guys weren't supposed to come on that play. Cause when I talked to Kyle McCord after the game and pulled him aside I was asking him, like, hey, I saw you and Josh Fryer talking. Like, what what were you guys breaking down? Like, what happened? And he's like, well, and that was when he made the crack about, like, you know, well, not really a crack, but just an explanation that 
they just have to ask each other what they saw because they don't have iPads. They don't have, they can't go look at it. It's like, what did you see? Like describe what you saw. Cause I think they were very confused by what the heck happened there. So I don't know, just, I thought it was kind of a funny moment and something that I guess they will be, if something similar happens like that, if somebody tries to bring two guys from different directions in that exact same way, when Ohio State's blocking and the, the, you have the offensive line blocking in one direction, they apparently have a way to correct in the moment and pick that up now, but they may never have to use it because it sounds like they were, they were just very caught off guard by whatever the heck happened there. He brought up Peyton Manning too, how that happened to Peyton Manning one time and it would happen in a game. Peyton Manning would just throw it away, live to see another day, not turn the ball over, which I think Ryan Day made a very emphasis point about that. Like don't turn the ball over in a situation. Don't make it worse. They already beat us on this play. Basically don't make it worse by turning the ball over. And then yeah. with Peyton Manning, they never got him again. He always made sure if you got him once, you were never going to get him again. And that was the message he was preaching to Kyle McCord in a situation like that of, this is already a bad situation. Mitigate it. Don't make it worse. Just let it be what it is and move on. Which I think back to the point with Kyle McCord earlier in the year, where in some of those situations, he's trying to throw the ball away, trying to make a play that's not there, getting intentional grounding calls or fumbles and whatnot. I do think that was a growth step because he didn't have that moment against Rutgers on Saturday. And that play would have been an opportunity for that to happen. It didn't, and it never burned him again. And they never had to deal with it once again. So like to that point, that was an area of growth for him. <laughs> to the joke, Ryan Day is still not talking about Michigan, and neither is Jim Knowles, neither is anybody at Ohio State. And I would not expect anybody within that those walls to talk about Michigan until after we get the results of the November 25th game. So until then, get the text, 614-350-3315, two-week free trial, 399 after that. As you're listening to this, we're back at the Woody talking with players, talking with Ryan Day and his lightning round as they prepare to play Ohio State, I mean, play Michigan State on Saturday at 7.30. I think this is a NBC game, if I'm NBC not game. mistaken. New gray jerseys. Yeah. Check it out. We'll talk about those alternate jerseys more on the preview pod on Friday. But until then, for Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Steven Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.